Oh, God. Oh, boy. Oh, God. All right. Oh, Ooh, got your whole singing. Jesus. Oh. Hello. Oh, there we go. All right. So welcome to Prosperity Through Purpose, the real deal on Prosperity Through Purpose, the podcast. The podcast. The podcast. Yes, indeed. I really enjoy that voice quite a bit. Yes. Thank, thank you, you for that. You're welcome. Quite fun. Indeed. Mm. Today we have a riveting topic, a topic that I think is extremely important. You know, I like to bring the darkness. You do. Yeah, I like to bring the 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 what I call reality checks or you know, the come to Jesus kind of moments in our lives that we ask ourselves these really important questions so that we may really commit so what we need to commit to so that we can have the things we want in our life. And sometimes that requires a reality check. Mm. Okay. You like to bring the light and the positivity and it's such a good balance to the dark. You're the light and I'm the dark. And thank God. I make together, learning fun. You do. Thank God for that. So <laughs> true to form, we will be playing our parts, right? So I'm going to bring the dark and you will hold the light. All right. All right. So good stuff. Now on that note, the topic is success has a price. Now we like to think that if we just like imagine our success and we think about all the wonderful things in life that, yeah, this is like the universe is a catalog. And we just, we just thumb through that catalog and we just pick out the things we want, but you know, there's no you place in the universe to insert your credit card right here for your, to complete your purchase, right? But we we don't we leave out that step. We just think we're just on an endless order form, and we just don't have to pay anything back. You know, if you're ordering something on Amazon, there's a point you got to put in the put in the money, honey. And so, not always just financial cost, right? We're going to talk about the different ways that success costs us. And I first heard this sermon, if you will, from one of my favorite teachers, John Maxwell, who was a mentor of mine, and and he did a sermon kind of like this. And then we went to church the other day and we heard it again. And so, but it really is applicable to business and life and the secular world as much as it is for anything. So I I, I thought, you know, we really have to drive this home. So, so go on. drive it well. I think you bring up a good point. So many books in, whether it be the Bible or other things, the messaging is applicable in well, both. It's supposed to be. Yeah, it's supposed to be. The point. I, I know. Well, it's just people sometimes think like it has nothing to do. It's like, uh, it's like, they do it life. Yeah. Oh, why would you do this? Yes. Uh, it definitely is all connected. So we want to talk about that price to pay. Now we're going to break it down into different components. So if you think about you as a whole human being, you have different parts of yourself. You have the psychological component, the emotional component, physical component, and spiritual component, and lots of other components and compartments along the way. How many times can you say the compartment, word? Component. component. Well, I, I might come up with as many opportunities in this time. Yeah. Your favorite word is opportunity. Yeah. Any opportunity, use opportunity as an opportunity. So... <laughs> That's your favorite. So the first thing I want to talk about is the psychological price of success. You know, it's not just about thinking positive. We are a toxically positive culture where we think, man, I just want to listen, affirm. Now that has a place for sure. Well, Go on. I think one of the, and because this bothers me sometimes when I hear people like kind of bash positivity. What were you called one time? A hope dealer? 
Oh yeah. In a negative way. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. He goes, oh yeah, I know you. Yeah, you are a hope dealer. You're a hope dealer. Yeah. Well, buddy, yeah, that's yeah. probably really needed right now in a yeah, very good quality have. Well, and though I think one of the things that sometimes gets misconstrued around positivity is the positive framework through which we are best to um, to put things out and put it in our mind, like to focus on what we want, not just what we don't want. Right. That's what we're taught. We're taught, yes, just to focus on what we want, on what we don't want, which is very beneficial. But then we want to skip the step, which is a deep dive into what prevents you from doing that. Right. And that's where most people aren't courageous enough to to make to, to pay the psychological price of success, which is a deep dive into your own neurotics insecurities. And I know that in what? No, what? It's true. no it, well, because it, it, it's true. And that's that's the dance that we're all doing is like wherever we're at right now is a direct result of who you've been. Yeah, but we're like, and you got to kill that part of you. Yeah, I don't want to go back into the neurotic insecurities because I don't want to focus on that. I just want to focus on all the great things. Well, honey, the neurosis, the neurotic loop that we run, which is your inner critic. And that's really what we're talking about. You've got to do the psychological weightlifting of killing that inner critic, because if you don't, it will kill you. It will kill your business. Well, or align with it. Align with your inner critic by saying, I try, I know you're just trying to protect me. Right. Yeah. I, I, I understand where you're, you're just trying to keep from. me safe. Yeah. yeah you, you love it into submission for sure. But that also is a psychological battle that we face. I mean, okay, so let's put some legs on this. Let's grow some skin and let's walk this into life. What does it look like for you or for me? How did it look? What was the psychological price that you had to pay in order to start being successful? What are some of the ways you paid that psychological price? Well, on sometimes I think we we learn something that works. Uh-huh. And you go, oh, that worked. Yeah. And then there's an ego that comes into place. Then you go, oh, well, that worked. But you got to sometimes stop doing what. Oh, man. That's and a that, huge psychological price. Letting yeah. go of something yeah, that worked, like, but stop working for you. It's kind of like the guy who wears the the 1980s, you know, Oh, manifestation of himself. Okay, so it's like, it reminds me of the guy Napoleon the, Napoleon Dynamite. Hello, it reminds me of the guy roller Ricky? skating. You name? go to a roller skating party, and there's always one guy with a fanny pack. And the before it was cool to bring back the fanny pack, and you know, <laughs> living in his glory days. Now like it's a sling bag. Yeah, <laughs> like the yes, like Napoleon Dynamite, where his uncle was living in the football days because that worked to pull the tricks and well, all yeah. The, but now he's still he's like a washed up guy living in a trailer out by videotaping himself Video throwing the himself the football. That strategy doesn't work anymore. So we've got to be willing, like we always say, you can't rest on your past failures, but you also can't rest on your past successes. And so giving up what worked before is a psychological price because it's a brain F, right? It's like a mind F because you're like, man. And it's also afraid to let that go. There's also the fear of trying something new and failing or looking bad. And I, my in my first career in the music industry, uh-huh. there were these bands, and I'm sure you know some of the artists and bands that have been out there, that suck. Uh huh. They're horrible. Yeah. Yet they made it. Yes. Because they didn't care that people said you sucked. sucked. Yeah. 
So that's a like that's a little more of an emotional price to pay, which I think we'll get into next. Yeah, I well, think. I, well they, but they're aligned because right. So the emotions are you know living the amygdala, and that that gives us like the fight, fright, or freeze kind of thing. But or then fawn. we or fall, and then codependency. Yeah. Then the psychological part is a rationale, the justification to sort of validate whatever your fear or uh, whatever is that's I think getting the, in the way. The biggest psychological price for me was the not good enough story in my head. That was a psychological warfare that had. And you didn't been even do that very on. good. You weren't good at that either. Because I'm never good anything. enough. God damn it! No. <laughs> so I. That was my internal warfare. That was my psychological warfare that was going on on a consistent and what basis. What words for for you? What were the words in your head that came? Qualified. Up? You weren't qualified. Equipped. I didn't know enough. I just had to get this one more certification. I just had to get this one more stamp of approval. I need somebody to knight me to tell me that I'm ready to go. And I struggled with that my whole life, so much so that I, I used to do videos in front of my awards and achievements so that people would go, well, she must be qualified. Look Somebody gave her some shit. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody thinks she can do it. Look, yeah. it's in a frame. It's it right? must be good. She's, she's qualified. The thing, you know. And they were all, oh, and most of those were also on, uh, on like acrylic. So it was like, they looked expensive. They probably were, they weren't cheap. Yeah. Yeah. But, but here's the thing, okay. I would still then want to do the next webinar or get on the next program or have somebody, you know, have this whole like systems and, and follow this person and this expert and that expert. And what should I be doing versus listening to my own inner wisdom, telling me what I feel is the best route for me, tapping into that wise woman within to give my own myself direction, because we know, um, you know, God, that old saying, you know, God doesn't qualify uh, call the qualified, he qualifies the called, you know, but I, it was so ingrained in me, like, you're not good enough. And, and I've had, you know, when I was growing up, I was always the one that like could see everything from a very early age of everybody's stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. I was like a seer and I would say things and I would get shamed for that. Well, who do you think you are? Oh yeah. It's like, you're going to play psycho psychologist. You're going to play family therapist. You're going to play, you know, and I would get shamed and belittled and ridiculed for having insight and wisdom into things. So, yeah. So that's, that was a story that well, that you you're telling and you've told and and you experienced. Yeah. And it's interesting. Mine was a little different. Mine, my dad was almost humble to a point, like to like to a fault. Like he and I see the patterns where I picked up some of that, where he's like, "Well, you know, is it still not really good like, enough?" Well, I'm not really great. I don't really do anything. Uh, yeah, it's not that special. It's and not special. Yeah, and neither are you, by the way. Yes. Well, th that's the other than conscious message, right? So it's not. It's not it's not overt it's covert that messaging because you know if you're if you didn't have the counterbalance of someone sharing or someone that you you believed in that believed in you you could buy into that and it's funny i've noticed like my dad could could have been way more successful and he just he he didn't he he wouldn't take those bold steps he wouldn't get uncomfortable he allowed that oh i'm not that you know, not that, uh, you know, well, whatever, yeah. that, that, except for someone else. That's been your own battle too. Yeah, to, everyone's got it you know, on some level. Ability to a fault. There is a fine line, you know, that we're always doing this dance between being humble and being able 
and equipped, you know, and gifted. And I think that that confidence versus Godfidence is really important. Confidence is like, I'm God's gift and Godfidence is God's gifted me to be able to use that. And so I had a lot of verbal abuse in my childhood where I got told on a daily basis, I wasn't good enough. Flat out, you are a terrible person. You are not who you think you are. Nobody really likes you, including me, you know? So I had to overcome that nobody wants to hear from you. You're annoying. All the, all the messaging that I heard as a kid through verbal abuse, nobody wants to hear what you have to say. Shut up. You talk too much. You're annoying. You're this, you're that you're stupid. And that tape would play. And I I think the price that I paid psychologically was to continue in spite of the voice until I developed the feedback from myself internally and from others that drowned out that voice. Eventually, when you start doing the work and you can do it one of two ways, you can convince yourself in the mirror one-to-one before you've got done a goddamn thing. And you can look in your mirror and say, I'm qualified, I'm equipped. Or you can actually demonstrate that you're qualified and equipped and start helping some people. And then that feedback that happens is like, oh my God, I guess I am. Well, that voice is a liar because Mm. I know so-and-so said that I changed your life. I know so-and-so is still reaching out and saying, oh my God, what you taught me was so invaluable. And there are times today, Doug, where I have to tell you, I get that feedback. I just did a a closing ceremony on one of my programs and the feedback was outstanding. And there's still moments where I hear it and I'm like, really? But I think that's good because that keeps you humble. Well, that's again, that humility is important. So much of life is a dance, dance, right? It's just all like ebbing and flowing and adjusting and, and finding the right rhythm. And then, oh, if this isn't working, try something else. And it's interesting. We all experienced this growing up that we had there was someone in our lives that we cared about that didn't believe in us may have said some things that were painful hurtful and and flat out lies wrong bs but we would for whatever reason we would own that because we don't want to be in cognitive dissonance like i love this person they know me they must know the truth right. that i don't see but then there was someone else who also was in our lives and they would, you. Yeah. And sometimes like, oh, no, no, we would brush that off, but not brush off the negativity. We would own that and not like own the 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 support and the love and the celebration. Um, and it's interesting watching just real time watching Ellie like. Our own, daughter. Yeah, she owns like how awesome she is and she's OK with it. She's like, yeah, I oh. mean. Yeah. Almost to a fault though, too, because it's like, hey, she's eight. Hey, honey, would you would you like piano lessons? I am already really yeah, good. Yeah, I'm really good. I don't know. I'm already super so good at piano. I'm like, don't, don't. Yeah. <laughs> but that is gonna help her succeed yeah, because true. the people who are brave enough to go out there and do that. <laughs> Like they're all a little narcissistic. Uh, to, they, uh, yeah. Oh God. <laughs> but, you have to but, have that level. But of, well, and that's interesting with with all art. And by you the way, what belief in yourself to get started, right? Or you have a radical belief in others. Yeah. And I think that both of us came from that school of thought where our belief wasn't necessarily always in ourselves. We started with the belief in others. Yeah. And we believed in them long enough till they believed in themselves. And then by a oh, result, we heard that so that, many times. Yes, at, at, but oh, at, at a re- as a result of that, what ended up happening was we started seeing transformation and transferred that belief to ourselves. So yeah. we borrowed it by giving it. We borrowed it by giving it, which is a very interesting concept. And I've never really unpacked it before, but that is the truth of how we did it. Mm -hmm. And I think 
just even, I know for me that qualified and equipped conversation still can, can, um, doesn't pop up anymore because that way, cause I know I'm qualified and equipped beyond, but it will pop up just in the, in the humble way of I'm so grateful. And it's more of like a gratitude thing, not I'm so great and wonderful. It's like, Oh, thank God. I appreciate this gift. I appreciate this ability that I have. I, I I'm a good steward of this gift. I want to give this gift and be a good steward and do the right thing with it versus do I even possess it? And so that's the journey I think we all have to go on. And maybe you're listening to this and you're like, man, I want to get there. But that's the psychological price. You have to go through the fire. You can't start out with this radical belief in yourself and expect it to be real and not manufactured. And, and my belief is that you actually need to start helping people and borrow that belief by helping people until it can become really yours. And so what do you do? You, you think about the thing that you have the most heart for, you're most passionate about, not what you think will give you the greatest return on your effort, which leads us into this other emotional price that we have to pay. There are many times throughout the course of your business where you are going to be preaching to empty choirs. Okay. You're going to be preaching to empty seats. Nobody's going to buy your ticket for that thing. Um, nobody's going to watch that thing that you put all your heart and soul into. And, and, and you were afraid that don't, that, that if people saw it, they judge you. Right? Hello. You're afraid everybody's going to see it. And then nobody gives a shit. Okay. Nobody's looking at it. Nobody's watching it. And you think to yourself, oh my God, I suck. Or what am I doing this for? Or nobody cares. Or what's the point? Or on and on emotionally, that rejection trigger can come up quite a bit, especially when nobody shows. But if you understand that that is the price of admission for success is an empty seat, the price of admission is talking to two people when you wanted a hundred to come and you still deliver as if a hundred came. That is the price of success. There have been many times where we mm -hmm. have had big visions for stadiums full of people and have taught 20. And I'll tell you what, we gave it our all as if we were talking to a stadium and transformed those lives 100%. in addition to it. And so we want to, we want the end game. We want a million followers. We want hundreds of views on our stuff. Are you okay when two people see it? Are you okay when, when nobody's looking do you still have a desire in your heart? Can you rectify that emotional dissonance, that, that emotional up, upheaval that you experience because you're still attached to approval? Well, and to that point, it just reminded me of some of the training that I got pre this work was when I was in uh, fat that, you know, and we would, we would go into rehearsal, which is not a weight loss corporation. No, but no, it, it was a band it's and a it band. was spelled F A T, not P H A T. It was, and um, I feel like that's sexual in some way. Yeah, it wasn't. I don't know why they even, it was, I joined the band, I didn't come up with it. Um, so but anyway, it, like, not like your other I, band. That, what was your band name? Soul Shaker. Soul Shaker. <laughs> okay, go. Which I, and I think that was the name of the band. That's in, a good name for yeah, band. that was really good. They, they, yeah. It was. I think that was the name of the band in um, Soul Shaker. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Anymore. All right, so fat. So, you're in so, the band, and we would rehearse. Yes, as if there was thousands of people. So our rehearsals, like we, you know, like we maybe do one song to just sort of warm up, make sure we were in tune, kind of thing, and then it was okay, rock star mode. And we would yep. be playing the rehearsal, jumping, sweat, like doing exactly mm -hmm. what we would do if we had the feedback of thousands of people. Because you train yourself not to rely on it, baby. Right. 
man, is that some gold nugget wisdom there? And so here's what was interesting. We were one of the few bands that uh, if there was a not so confident band that we were opening for, they wouldn't let us use their back line and they would limit our decibel level. So that because we were so powerful when we would come out, like it, the, you guys were fat. It, like it was next level. I, like I say this with humility. It was like a Memorex commercial. When we came out, it was like. Don't you miss your band days? Um, I, 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 I don't think AD's watch. I, I would. We, I, we've toyed. I, I've, I've laid. I've done a trial balloon of like re, doing a like a reunion. You really need it, to. It would be so much on, fun. Oh my god! I didn't get the chance to be a groupie. Mm. And I feel like I need that opportunity to sit in the front row. And, and that was like, the bass right there, the, the black oh, one. We're looking at a, a bunch of guitars and Grammys in front of us. I wish that I had the chance to be a groupie. So please revive it. Okay, revive it. Yeah, I'm going to see if we can. Okay, all right. So, so, so point being yes. is act like the whole idea of act as if like, the world is watching even when they're not. Right. And you just get in, you get in the habit of, of teaching without a, without the need for the audience, without the need for the feedback. I think that Yoda had said, you know, he doesn't teach because the, the students are there. He teaches because he's a teacher and it's in his blood and spirit to do that. And you can't come with this attitude of I'm only going to give when I have a worthy audience. You know, I'm only going to teach when I know 300 people are there. It wasn't or, Helen Keller who said something like that about doing the small things as if they were the big things or yeah, something. Yeah, I don't know, but that sounds good. I mean, I really think that, that sounds she signed about, it. Sounds about right. Douglas, okay. Too soon? Okay. <laughs> okay. So anyway. This time I, I was the dark one. Yeah. Well, in your humor, you are. That's true. Usually. So I think training ourselves how do you do that right to be able to detach from the outcome or the approval or the applause and not need it is an emotional price we have to pay but that's work we do with somebody who's a, a, a dedicated sherpa who can take us over now we're the sherpas right of course we want you to do that work with us always i mean we want you to come inside of empowerment coach university and get equipped and get 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 ready with all the tools and strategies you need to be able to keep getting out there this is one of the biggest things that people struggle with quite honestly is this emotional piece they're not prepared to go on of oh my god i feel good i don't feel good because i did that webinar and only you know nobody bought or nobody even showed up or what have you so i are we done with the no i was just oh, okay. i was sharing it to you thing so, hey tim you know, are you still there tim are we still on for friday i gotta email you Doug, you're in the middle of a podcast and you, you can't you're so if you're listening on the podcast tim gillette good friend go listen to uh his podcast podcast as well we're gonna do stuff together <laughs> all right the next price that we have to pay and this is, you know, financial price. And this is an obvious one, whether it be investing in a mentor and biting the bullet and doing, making the investments that we need to make in our business. Or if that means the financial price we pay of going lean, lean and mean in our businesses, because we all want to have a staff, right? Or we envision, oh my God, I'm going to be able to have like my, my people and my team will get back to you and we'll schedule a thing, you know? But the reality is, unless you're a million dollar business, most of us are doing this by ourselves. And how many people, it's okay. Until we get to a million. And okay. it's okay. How many people, well, we, yeah, we're not going to tell you who, but we know plenty of people who have an alter ego that 
reply to their emails as the assistant. <laughs> okay. That's <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So it's so, just that you have that perception and you you're living it, you're you're experiencing it. Yes. You you know how to duplicate it. Yes. So there's so many benefits of doing something like that. And it also is sometimes what people get to do. Now we're not at the million dollar mark in our business. We've reached that mark in other ways through other alternate sources of income, including our real estate endeavors and things like that. But just through the coaching endeavor, it's multiple six figures and well on its way. Right. But, but so for me, I still do so much stuff by myself. I still make the videos and write the things and do all the stuff. And, and now I'm finally at the point where I actually hired a couple people. Okay. To, to like social media and, and, and computer, but I build all my own website and I still like to toy with that. I know how to do everything in my business. And that's important to me to know how to do everything in my business. And I don't care what it looks like. If people say, well, you don't have a team. Like sometimes I'll do a consultation and people will be watching YouTube and it does create this kind of celebrity status in an awkward, weird way where they feel like they know you. And I've had people come into consultations and go, oh my God, it's you. You're taking the call. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, who the fuck would have been? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's me. It's my program, you know. But their expectation is that I would have a team answering the call for me. But no, it's me. It's me taking the calls and enrolling people in my program. And it's that way. And until it reaches the point where I don't have bandwidth at all, I mean, I still now have coaches that are taking calls as well. But that's been a long time coming a long time coming. And so the financial price of running lean and mean and not having the optics of having this giant team around you. I know people who have had million dollar businesses, and this is a fact, you need to know this, very successful people that you know, and that I know that reached the million dollar mark in their business and brought home a hundred grand. If that. that is facts. All right. So I want to bring home multiple six figures. I don't pay, a t I don't have these big expenses. Everything I come back, you know, is, is, smartly delegated and, re well, and, and real estate, really. Yeah. I mean, take that money and buy, but, buy property. And so the, the point there as well is, is that relationship, you're investing, right? But here's the challenge. Sometimes people don't look at their time as the investment as well. Right, exactly. And you need to really recognize your time value. They underestimate the amount of time it takes to build a business. Yeah. We want to release the video and have instant clients. We want to, you know, launch the webinar one time. Well, because the overnight success, that story is with everything. It's after years of, of like discipline, putting the stuff out there of consistently doing it. And then all of a sudden, boom, it happens. But it's because that it's kind of like, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher appears Agreed. when like the your business, business is ready, ready, the clients appear, it will it, like, it will scale at that. I at could that not point. agree more because it's taken me um, three years, five years that I've been posting on um, YouTube every single week. And most of my clients come from YouTube. I've never gotten a single client from Facebook. I don't know a lot of people who do unless they run ads or have a group and use that as a strategy. But for me, it's YouTube. And I'll tell you, the interesting thing is I spent the last three years perfecting what's my messaging? What do I do? How do I do it differently? How do I help people? And I didn't, I couldn't have handled a bunch, an influx of leads and clients because honestly, I wasn't as yet comfortable and confident with the results that I was able to provide people through the systems and processes that I take them through. Because we're not like trying to make money based on our worth. Your worth is invaluable. You are a priceless human being. The prices, the money that you get 
the financial reward that you get in your company isn't about your intrinsic value. It's about the, like Jerisha Hawk says, who is one of the best business coaches, says it's about the value you can articulate in the marketplace. That's what you're charging people. So until I got so clear, here's the value I provide in the marketplace. Here's the gap I fulfill. Here's this prices program. It's a no brainer. Now, all of a sudden, I can't keep up with the leads. I'm scaling. I've got coaches underneath. I've got coaches on my team. I've got an affiliate model. Like I'm now ready. If it had happened a year sooner, I would not be confident. I would not be ready. So we've got to trust in that divine timing as well. Right. And and it's also being willing to try like own your way, right? So the work I do is mostly in personal relationships. I build relationships with people and then build it that way. I'm not like, as you probably have seen, I'm, I don't have a huge, uh, I'm not on every day on Facebook and YouTube and all that because that's not your business. Yeah. It's mostly, it's a people business. Like, you know, even this weekend uh, over the relationship business. Yeah. It's like, all right, cool. Let's get together this week. And let's, you know, let's just sit down and share Rolodexes like, and, and, refer each other and just create like let's get grab lunch and just brainstorm who we could connect each other with so and i, I mean i started that anyway so that's a whole other whole other tip about value add and giving first like so providing resources providing referrals creates that dynamism and sometimes people hold on to their referrals like money and they're afraid to share they're like they're afraid to connect somebody because they're like oh you're gonna get the gig and i won't and it's like well it's a different it's a whole different thing so I think that let's wrap up this conversation with the last place that we need to pay a price. And this probably is one of the most important places that we forget about a lot. As a teacher, as a coach, as a healer, as a transformational leader, whatever role you consider yourself in, you are in a constant state of personal and spiritual development. And if you're not, you're in the wrong business. So you need to be held to the fire a lot. I know for me, I think I'm there. I think I'm healed. I think I had a breakthrough. And then all of a sudden there's another thing that hits me. And it's like, oh my God, we're here again. Oh my God, I'm walking through the fire again. But I know that I've committed to a life of fire. I've committed to a life of refining because I am on the other side called in order to help people heal. And so my healing doesn't stop. My refining doesn't stop. And maybe it's a higher quality of problem. It's less traumatic or whatever, but there's always a refining. And I think that when you're connected to your spiritual highest calling, this is prosperity through purpose. We're going to connect you to that spiritual highest calling. When you're there, you are going to be held to the fire. You are going to be constantly purified by um, whatever higher power you connect and relate to. If you're connected, that's going to be showing you your stuff. That's going to be confronting you with your issues and your triggers and your, your limitations. And that's what you need. That's what's necessary if you're called to be a life of a teacher because a teacher can only take a student as far as they've gone themselves. A healer can only heal to the extent of they, their healing. I mean, that's that's really the truth. And so Doug's gonna end with a story that I think is really exemplifies how this works. And it's the story of the teacup. And the teacup, it really is gonna tell you how, yes, you're being, you're being, you're under fire. But on the other side of that is this beautiful, uh, result. So you want to share that? I will share that story. And uh, I had a thought and then I lost it um, about 
Are you perimenopausal oh, too? Yeah. Oh. No, it's it's about the fact that you we've never arrived either. I think that right. you know we you have we have friends. Uh, or you've just, arrived at the last destination, but now you need a new place. Well, right, right exactly. You so like it, go further. Like some of the most successful people we know are still going to the same or different or both like personal development events, even right. though from the outside looking in, you go, why are you why are you I'm going there, back? Right? Like you don't have a you don't have a care in the world, it looks like. And they're like, uh, yeah, I'm human and I want to continue growing. I want to continue developing myself. So in that in that vein, let's uh, have the conversation around the blessings or the blessons of a teacup. So one day there was this lump of clay. And the master came along and this lump of clay and the master comes along and starts beating it and pounding it and kneading it and rolling it. And the clay is like, oh my gosh, please, master, master, please. I can't take this. This hurts too much. And he's looking at it, smiling, pounding it, beating it. And then just finally just squaring it around. And then the master looks at the, at the uh, lump of clay and just says, not yet. So then Finally, he stops beating on the clay and the, the lump of clay feels like, okay, it's done. And then the master picks it up and puts it on a wheel and starts spinning the wheel around and starts squishing it and kneading it. And the, the clay is screaming, please, master, please, I can't take it. I'm getting dizzy. I can't take all this spinning around and around and around that I can just see him as he's squishing me and spinning me. I could read his lips saying, not yet. And then finally the wheel slows down. I think this is over. I'm finally, I can relax. And then he sticks me in an oven and I can't take it. The heat is too unbearable. And I'm looking through the window, the master smiling, smiling, looking at me as I'm burning. And I could read his lips as I'm pleading to take me out. And he says, not yet. Finally, he pulls me out and I, get to relax and I think finally it's over I'm cooled off and all of that and I think it's done and I could just relax and all of a sudden I'm being painted I have all these fumes in this covering I can't breathe I can't take the fumes it's too much and I'm begging pleading to the master master please please I can't take this and I could read his lips through the paint through the fumes not yet and then finally I think I'm done I think I'm done. And then he puts me back in the oven. Only this time it's even hotter. And I'm just crying, begging and pleading the master not, I mean, take me out, take me out. And the master smiling looks at me and says, not yet. And then finally he pulls me out. I get cooled off. And then he puts me in front of a mirror. And I can't believe my eyes. I started out as just a lump of clay. And the master said, if I just left you as a lump of clay, if I didn't beat you and pound you and squish you, you wouldn't be able to be molded. And if I didn't put you on the wheel and spin you around and create all this energy and this confusion, I wouldn't be able to mold you into the shape that you are now. And if I hadn't put you in the oven, well, you would have just crumpled and fell apart because you wouldn't have the strength, the sturdiness. And if I had just left you like that, after that first time in the kiln, you'd just be 
Boring. Boring. You'd be one color. You'd just be this gray or white cup. So I had to paint you to bring out your, your natural beauty and to enhance everything that's so unique and special about you. But if I hadn't put you in that last oven, your colors would fade and you wouldn't stay as brilliant as you are right now for as long as you will, which is forever. Mm. So sometimes maybe when we're feeling that stress, when we're mm. feeling that price that we could recognize the value of it. And I'll just leave you with this one last thought. Well, let me oh. leave you with the thought before you do the last thought. Oh, we are in no thought. way condoning an abusive relationship. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, <laughs> you guys yes. Have, yeah. So <laughs> if I hadn't have beat you and put you in the oven, no, this is it puts the lotion on the skin or else it gets the hose again. <laughs> so basically, it's metaphorical. Nice distinction. Metaphorical yes, yes. Sorry, I hope metaphorical no one thought about Yes, these are all okay. metaphors. I, I did not think we would need squishing. to. Yeah, I did not think. Well, we sometimes people will use that when they're gaslighters. I mean, this is Fair the way enough. my mind yeah. works because I work with this population, but I digress. And, I, and I'm just like just a metaphor. Go on. You yeah. you live in the world of happiness, and you're like, who would do that? And I'm like, everybody I work with has had that happen to them. Well, and so I, so two or... two pieces on that. So one, also, no matter what work you're doing, but yeah, psychologically and emotionally and spiritually, you must take care of yourself when you're working in this work because it can get in your in your uh, you know. Yeah, I'm gonna let essence. you wrap up. Speaking of which, I've got to go do a consultation. Okay, well, that be really I do quick. myself. Okay, okay, this will yeah. be this will be real quick. So, <laughs> really, it ends up the price we're gonna pay. We either are gonna be paying in discipline, hello, doing it now, focusing on it, following through, or which that weighs ounces compared to the pain of regret. The, like John Maxwell said, which or somebody else said, that it's it's an the old pain one. of self discipline. Or, or the, the pain, pain of regret. regret. Either way, we're going to pay. Hello. So with that being said, we love you for who you are and who you aren't. Uh, this if has you're been on, the McGurks. This has yeah. been the McGurks spending the day with the a little 20 minutes, half hour with you. Yeah. And if this Thank was uh, groovy, like it, share it, spread the love, tell people about how awesome you are and how Say, you have got to listen to this uh, Doug and Heidi podcast. Yeah. It's like fire. Yeah. Or something. Fire. I mean, fire. Uh, all right. We love you. Have a fantabulous day and go be and do you. Amen. God bless. We'll see you soon. Peace. Bye. Bye.